You ever felt you're being watched sometimes? Have you ever had a cold shiver run down your spine? Sometimes we go through that. Sometimes we look for answers to questions we don't really truly understand. Like, are we truly alone in the universe? Is there life after death? This world is weird. It gets weirder by the day. And in that weird are questions that we have as curious beings known as humans. Tonight, we look into some of those questions and get a little weird. Because we all are just a tad bit weird. Tonight on Weekend Weird. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon, or whenever the hell you're listening to this podcast. I don't care. <laughs> this is Weekend Weird, the show about the weird and mundane that's out of this universe. I am your host, captain of the ship, producer, almost Mr. Everything, Red Nick, and uh, I am joined on this episode by... You know who the hell it is, shit. <laughs> Hi. It's so cool. He's back, man. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great, man. <clears throat> Thanks for coming out again. Yeah. Uh, what was the last episode we did? Uh, we did the Chicago Mothman. We turned to, did Chicago Mothman. And, right. Uh, um, the, the goblins of Kentucky. West Virginia, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Were those the ones that were hiding in the caves? Yeah, yeah, the goblins hiding in the caves. Um, they haven't come out yet. We've been trying. I think during the summer we're going to do a excursion down there. We're going to go into the caves and flush those... Goblins the hell out of there. We? Yes, we. <laughs> All the co-hosts. <laughs> you, Maddie, Beaker, Mary, my brother. Yeah, right. going down there, court it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> as long as this uh, job gives uh, workman's comp. Yeah, yeah, uh, burritos. <laughs> Some burritos. Yes, burritos. <laughs> nice to be back on, Nick. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, this episode, um, we're going to get a little goofy because this is a really weird story at the beginning of it. And uh, this, this originally wasn't going to be a two-parter. It was originally going to be a one-part. But um, something has come up um, that needs to be discussed a little bit. We're not going too in-depth into it, but we will tackle it a little bit. Um, it's a recent documentary that came out on Netflix, but we'll get to that after we get to this first story. Um, <laughs> light, lighthearted entry, then yes, we come with the real heavy we, stuff. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're starting light, and then we're going hard. Uh, so, um, That's going to sound right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, to answer your question, Ogu, from mm. earlier before we started recording, the name of the show, I believe that your barber had recommended to you was Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. Yes, 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 yes that is. Yes, apparently it's hosted or produced by Tom DeLarge, formerly a big... DeLong. DeLong, whatever his damn name is. By the way, if you you can't laugh on the podcast and not give credits, uh, go ahead. Uh, Hi. 
<laughs> that is Stephanie. Uh, she might be joining on some episodes uh, going forward here. Uh, yeah, so yeah. she <laughs> might chime in with some opinions here and there. Yeah. But she's sitting listening to us. Yes, we have a live studio audience in this episode. I love those shows where you get the live studio audience and you hear the mysterious laughter and then you realize there's no one else in the house with you. <laughs> On this episode, we have Stephanie and my cat. Yes. Hey! <laughs> uh, but our first story is what we're going to do, we're going to start off with, is a very weird story that's from back in World War Two. Um, it's the mystery of the Phantom Barbara of Pescaloma, Mississippi. And we're going, what the hell is that? Yeah, it's one of the strangest crimes in the history of the U.S. Apparently, this Barbara has been going around during the uh, 40s and cutting people's hair without their permission. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, just going around cutting people's hair, just and in the theories of this. Wait, hold on. What, you just, what years did you say this was? This is nineteen forty-two. So I mean, he could have been just doing like some pro bono barber work. Who the hell does pro unnecessary, unwarranted pro bono barber work in the middle of goddamn nineteen forty-two Mississippi? Sometimes you don't know how you look, right? <laughs> So the barber has to come in with his professional touch and his expertise and give you a haircut even if you don't want it. Change is hard, you know? That's assault. <laughs> that is assault. So Mississippi's phantom barber of Pascagoula. Okay. Yes, yes. It's one of the most strangest cases. Again, the strangest cases. I love this article, too. Like <laughs> the, the main picture in the beginning of the article is... A, a pair of scissors, as if we didn't know what a fucking barber was. Like, how does how does a Thanks, barber mental cut their hair? Yeah. <laughs> Look at the article on mental flaws. Um, how do magnets even work? Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> so apparently, we don't know. It's to put you in the right mental state of mind. It's creepy. Mm. It's scissors. It could potentially mean something more. There could be something behind it. A little bit more. Uh, yeah. Violet versus just a simple haircut. A nice little couple of blood drips would have been nice, but it's just a rusty scissor, pair of scissors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just rusty scissors. It's just sitting there and just... Well, no, no one died getting a haircut. Uh, a couple of people get bashed their heads in, but that's debatable once we get into the story uh, whether this they're connected. Uh, but, yeah, this is fucking weird and it makes me it, it, it's in your home so it makes your skin crawl a little bit there's someone out there breaking into I mean not now that we know of breaking into people's homes and cutting your hair like while you asleep like wouldn't that make you like a little on edge <laughs> it just depends on again how good the haircut was <laughs> You know? Like, you lined me up and got the edges and everything, man. I really look good. But still, how did I get this fucking haircut? <laughs> All right, let's go into the story. Because it, it gets the story gets weird. So, we're going to the story. We're using a, a certain um, uh, 
aids to help us out to tell the story mentalfloss.com sword and scale uh wikipedia so uh yeah here we go um so the first known phantom attacks were reported on the night of june 5th 1942 mary biggums and ethel heidel had settled in their bed for the night at their our lady of victory's covenant Sometime during the night, a noise stirred the young women from their beds just in time to see a man climbing out of their window. Both girls were unharmed, but noticed that a single lock of hair had been missing from both of their heads. Since it was dark, they were unable to provide a detailed description of this character, but Biggs only um, saying that, telling investigators that he was sort of fat, <laughs> sort of short, and wearing a white t-shirt. <laughs> So we got the hamburger. Yes. <laughs> Put an APB out on a hamburger. <laughs> I want a hard target surge every outhouse, in house, pancake house, waffle house, house of pies. <laughs> We're gonna send a stealing hair. In the tri state area. <laughs> He's stealing hair. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! God, I mean, crazy. It, it's crazy, but also it's scary at the same time. You hear a noise in the middle of the night. You wake up, and all of a sudden, you see a fat, short guy running out of your window. So I how do they? How do they immediately know that some hair was missing? Did he cut out like a large chunk of it or something? I guess so. That they checked their <laughs> hair, and they were like, "We're, I got a." Bald spot right here. Missing a, just, a lock of hair, it says. Well, missing a lock. It could be a lock. Could be like a, a lot handful. of yeah, a handful yeah. of hair. So how much is a lock of hair? I mean, typically a lock of hair isn't that much. But isn't that much? I mean, I guess it could be depending on how much hair. It's still a lock, <laughs> right? Yeah, a <laughs> lock of hair. Or it's like they could be downplaying it. But it was. It's, they had. There was enough so they know that they know. Yeah. We know yeah. when someone's touched our hair. Thank God we got a woman on this episode ago. Yeah. <laughs> someone with hair. I wouldn't know. Someone cut my hair. I wouldn't know. Just like, what? what, what? It's definitely a little creepy. Yeah, it, it is creepy. Just you so wake up that. in the middle of the night and all of a sudden you see a fat guy farting out of your window <laughs> and all of a sudden your hair is gone. But uh, let's go on to the second attack um well so they hear about the story people are at an all-time high this is also during world war ii uh, pearl harbor just happened so people are on high alert um they don't know whether they're going to be attacked by the japanese or the germans or the italians so everyone's at high alert so we go to the second attack um this is of a young kid a six-year-old named carol petite pinette who had been nestled, who had been sleeping in her bed next to her twin brother, when um, this phantom barber sliced through their window screen, planted his feet firmly in her bedroom. He crept quietly towards the sleeping girl and seared off a lock of her hair before promptly freeing the scene. The only evidence left behind was a single sandy footprint located directly below the w- children's bedroom window. Okay, it's getting now. It's getting a little bit. Creepy. You're going, yeah, creepier. Is yeah. he only cutting girls' hair? Because what about the little boy? Little boy could have been bald headed. This is could be as bald headed as Jordan. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But, but yeah. right now he's only targeting women. Yeah. Yeah, he's only targeting women and cutting off their hair. So 
Yeah, now he's going after a girl, a little girl, a six-year-old little girl. I mean, what, what kind of creep is this thing? I don't know. I mean, how how long between the two incidents? Um, just a couple weeks. He just weeks. says the next incident occurred following Friday night. So okay, they say it's just, just a, a couple week. Of week. Yeah, okay. a week. So it's not just somebody like copycatting, right? Same guy. Okay, it could be the same guy. Now this, now the next incident, <clears throat> which happens another week after the girls, uh, the girls' hair get cut. I'm not too sure because now the mo has changed with this. Um, I'm not too sure if this is connected, but people seem to think that this is connected. Like a week after the first attacks occurred, Mr. and Mrs. Hindenburg will become the next event. Uh, victims of a home invasion um, but unlike them just getting their hair cut uh, the barber wasn't there for hair he had beaten the Hindenburgs in their bed with a lead pipe knocking out Mrs. Hindenburg's front teeth and leaving Mr. Hindenburg unconscious the attack happened so suddenly that neither the Hindenburgs Hindenburgs, excuse me were able to offer the description of the attacker um, Hindenburgs had stayed in the same city Pescaluba and they were attacked. The police sent out bloodhounds to track the perpetrator's scent. The bloodhounds led the police to a pair of bloody gloves left behind in the woods. But then after that, it was done. Trail went cold. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if this is connected because this is just it, it. It like the first two attacks just seemed like this guy's cutting hair for some probably some sexual preference or something. But now it's. So I wonder, <clears throat> you know, in times of, uh, this is during World War II, right after Pearl Harbor, yeah, people right. are already like on edge, kind of freaked out. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's some sort of like, you know, confirmation bias or something. People are connecting dots when there might not be, you know, one criminal doing something. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously, this woman getting her teeth bashed in, that, that's yeah. a reportable crime, Fine, but... Yeah. A little bit of hair missing from somebody, you know? Yeah. It, like, in the case of the 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 twins or the brother and, and sister that were sleeping together, mm -hmm. who's to say the brother wasn't playing a prank on the sister? Um, you know, that would be a very elaborate plank because they caught footprints underneath the underneath their bedroom window. Mm. So that's a very elaborate plank the brothers were pulling. Just saying. You know, people just are on edge. Yeah, know? yeah, they, they are really on edge. Uh, the final victim of the Phantom Shears would be a Mrs. Taylor. Mrs. Taylor was asleep in her bed when she suddenly felt something pressing against her face and smells its sickly smell. When she awoke, she reported to police she'd be fallen violently ill and noticed the window had been sliced open and a lock of her hair had been cut from her head. Police suspected the Phantom had used some sort of chloroform rag in order to cause Mrs. Taylor to lose consciousness in order to go about his business. So apparently this person is learning. Um, <laughs> it's just putting a rag over someone's face. Um, yeah. Again, um, what's, you know, what's the connection between these crimes, right? I mean, they're, they're getting their hairs cut off. There's somebody breaking into their house, cutting their screens, and this, cutting their hair. This is all happening in the same town? Same town. Okay. 
Okay. So they, they catch somebody, I assume, right? Well, uh, it, two months had passed, because that was the last... The Taylor attack was the last attack. Two months had passed, and then um, the police finally announced they made an arrest. A 57-year-old German chemist named William Dolan was arrested. Allegedly, police believe that he was a phantom since he had previously cored, uh, previously had an argument with the Hindelbergs. It was also reported he had been a Nazi sympathizer. FBI investigators were able to tie him to the attacks after a bag of hair was found in his backyard and believed to have brought, belonged to the second victim, Carol Pinette, the youngest of the victims. In spite of the evidence, Dolan was a tar- charged with the attack on the Hindenburgs but curiously enough, never charged with any of the unwanted haircuts. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison for attempted murder, but he denied the entire time that he was a phantom. Throughout no attacks that occurred during Dolan's arrest, some people believe that the phantom moved on. Um, and apparently this Dolan had been a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, and it, and it, and it says so here that... Um... Even though he was believed to be the Phantom Barber, um, there were several who thought he fell victim to German phobia. Yeah, it sounds like a German. Yeah, it really sounds like German phobia, and uh, people were calling him like a, a Nazi and stuff like that. Now you have the attack on the Hindenburgs, which I think is a totally separate, different incident than this Phantom Barber but mm-hmm. incident going on. Um, you're accusing him of being a Nazi. What is the purpose of a Nazi breaking into your home <laughs> and cutting your hair? So, so let's just say that there's a Nazi spy ring going on in the United States. And in Pescagoula, Mississippi. In Pescagoula, Mississippi, all places. And you have this Nazi spy ring going on. And you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to go around. We're going to cut the hair of all the women. We're going to make them feel how it's safe. It's not safe. And then we will bring up our plan, Hell Gerwig. What is Herr Gerwig? That's where we take all the hair. <sighs> I love the smell of dry split ends in the morning. I did mean, not! <laughs> unlikely, right? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. <laughs> so this guy was released a few years later after passing a lie detector test, right? Yeah, he six years later, the governor of Mississippi asked Dolan to submit to a lie detector test. He passed, including questions related to the attack on the Hindenburgs. He was given an early release. So this guy spent six years in jail. Six years a year old, yep. No real evidence. Pretty much. All right. Could be a case of German phobia. Um, yeah, because, I, I, again, I don't see Nazis going around. Cutting people's hair. Cutting people's hair. In Pescagoula, yeah. Mississippi. Yes, they, like, they hate the Jews. They hate anyone that's not them. The, hair? It's just hair, cutting hair. Even, even the neo-Nazis of the day, they, they run around breaking into people's houses, cutting their hair. Possibly. <laughs> they might have a hair fetish. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's what this sounds like, right? Yeah, this sounds like some sort of like fetish. fetish. Yeah. And just trying to collect hair and shit. Or like I heard one theory... Like, there was multiple theories of who the Phantom Barber was, because uh, a lot of people don't think it was Dorm. One theory I heard, and they thought it was a Japanese uh, 
special ops team. Oh, yeah. is he like, <laughs> uh, short and fat? Short and fat. I don't think the Japanese already army had someone short, short, sort of fat. <laughs> like, all right, we're going to send this guy in. <laughs> it was like, why? Because he's sort of short, sort, sort of, of fat, fat. <laughs> and we can't have that in the army. Might as well just drop him off where. Pascagoula, Mississippi. Exactly. <laughs> Did you just point your finger on a map and that was the first spot you find? Yes. <laughs> Send him in. Send him in. Have him go out and cut the hair. Um, some theories thought that it was... Stay with me now. Aliens. Exactly. <laughs> because of the first, the first attack, the, the first description of it, they were like, well, that doesn't sound... Someone's with... That doesn't sound human. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's sort of short, short sort of fat people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> wearing sweatshirts and shit. Fuck. <laughs> no, man, it makes more sense that um, sentient beings traveled across the universe at the speed of light, uh-huh. came to our planet, landed in Pascagoula, Mississippi, to cut a few locks of hair, <laughs> and then returned to their home planet. Yep. <laughs> it was a surveillance mission. Yeah, surveillance mission in the highest sky. <laughs> we need your hair. <laughs> well, you could take it, but I don't know. <laughs> we will fight you to the death for this. You know how much I love dry split ends on my hair. <laughs> so I hate that. <laughs> we're marking this one as unsolved. Yes, this is going to stay unsolved. <laughs> phantom Barber yeah, will, will but, remain Phantom. Yeah, but notice, or another reason I picked the story, notice how it sounded a lot similar to Dude. the Matt Gasser of Mattoon, Illinois. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phantom, just weird shit going on in some place that you never suspected would but happen. But again, this America. happened, even that happened like around World War II, right? Yeah, that was like a year later. <clears throat> I, yeah, 43 was the Matt Gasser. And 42 was the Phantom Barber. Right. So, again, I, I just harken back to this, you know, kind of hysteria thing going on yeah. where Americans are just freaked out. Mm-hmm. And they come up with, like, elaborate, I don't know, theories to explain some weird stuff going on. I'm not saying that there wasn't a Phantom Barber. I think there was, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Two, two, two or three... Uh, Incidents happening in one town, yeah, it could have been something, but there isn't enough evidence to point one way or the other. Yeah, I think that the three uh, haircuts are like the process of some could be some sailor because this is a, a a naval a naval yard in that town. Okay, it's on the coast. It could be some sailor or some dude that's sick joined the arm, no, the navy and. Going around like before he's on going shore leave, going around cutting hair. Cutting hair. Yeah, it's just because just he could. He just was like, I didn't get any from a girl. I might be going off to die in the Pacific or something. Let me just have this hair and this dry split ends. So I can just have something from a girl or something. You know those Navy guys are out in the sea for months. Yeah, yeah. Need some sea- motivation. Yeah, those seamen swabbing the poop deck. Yes. <laughs> in the Navy. What do you? No, what no, do you- yeah. Yeah. No offense to people in the Navy. Listen to this. <laughs> Except for you. Yeah. You know who you are. Yeah. You know who you are, Bill. You know who you are. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kenny. I was going to say, any any thoughts from the crowd? It's just creepy. Yeah. A guy cutting female hair. Yeah. It's a little yeah. weird. Yeah, just a little. Just a little bit weird. Yeah, so when we tell, when we say to people, 
keep your windows locked tight. Even if you have it open, make sure your screens are locked tight and have a, like obstacle courses down <laughs> on the bottom of your windows. Uh, we mean that. And, also, uh, if you are a hairnet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got nothing to worry about because huh? they got to take on the hair net. They take on the hair net, it's gonna wake you up. Wake you up. <laughs> like, and this is white women's hair. Yo, yo, well, don't go on the black woman's hair. <laughs> yeah, and ooh, don't go on the black woman's hair. No, you, you killed. Don't, don't, you wouldn't even get that close. She would open her eyes like, who the fuck? And start beating the crap out of you. <laughs> um, yeah, and also, uh, buy curtains. <laughs> and kids, the lesson of the story is don't touch black women's hair. Yes. <laughs> and buy curtains. <laughs> Alright, we're done with this one? Yes, we're done with this one. We had our laughs. Now it's time to get a little serious a little bit. Oh, man. Um, the second part of this episode um, deals with. Um, this is kind of like a review, almost not entirely a follow up to the documentary on Netflix. If you uh, a documentary on Netflix, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, stop this recording and go and watch it and come back. Um, but the documentary is "Who Killed Malcolm X," um, which brought up a lot of interesting questions that I thought that maybe I should save it for another episode, but. Um, because the Phantom Barber and the whole thing was so short, I figured it'd be a great way to segue into this episode. We're not going to get too in-depth into it because there's a lot of questions that the documentary brings up and a lot of things that needs to be re researched and a very long story. But I just want to get a couple of questions out of the way for this and to enlighten people about this. So, again, the documentary on Netflix right now called Who Killed Malcolm X? And it looks like, it, it looks into... The um, the killing of Malcolm X, uh, the civil rights leader from the 60s and the former spokesman of the Nation of Islam, um, but who, after his split from the Nation of Islam in 64, who really truly killed him. Now, three people were caught and tried, convicted of the murder of Malcolm X. And um, it happened in 65, yeah. Yeah, 65. Uh, February 21st, 1965, at the Autobahn Ballroom in New York. Um, three people were caught, tried, and convicted. Uh, but two of them maintained their innocence, including now. Now, uh, one of the uh, assassins, um, one of the people convicted of the assassination of Malcolm X, Thomas, uh, Thomas Johnson. Yeah, Thomas Johnson, who took the name Khalil Islam. Yes, he was one of the people that maintained his innocence until he died in 2009. Mm -hmm. um, the other person, uh, Thomas Hagen, um, is, who's still living with us, uh, who's still alive today, also claims his innocence. And um, the documentary goes into their alibis in the case. And it comes to find out that Thomas Hagen, from his account and other eyewitnesses' accounts, even the other assassin, uh, Talbridge Hare, um, probably mispronouncing that again, um, was not there at all. Um, various witnesses, even a doctor, had said that Thomas Hagen was not there, that he was in a cast at his house 
laying on his couch when Malcolm X was assassinated because he had a foot injury. And Tiger Taylor uh, backs that up in an affidavit, two affidavits after the trial in the late 70s. So um, before we get a little bit more in depth into this, um, Ogo, do you have any thoughts? Um, I'll be completely honest. I don't know too much about the assassination of Malcolm X. I know um, enough about his life, mm-hmm. um, but not too much about the assassination um, or the the, um, the guys who were caught and charged with his murder. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know it obviously happened in like a super tumultuous time in American history. Right. Uh, what, a year after Kennedy was assassinated? Yeah. 65, so what... Kennedy no, was, two. Uh, Kennedy was assassinated in November, November 63, okay. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Martin Luther King and then um, Malcolm X. Now, I know, unlike Martin Luther King, um, the civil rights leader who had basically pissed off a bunch of white people, oh, Malcolm X yeah. pissed off a bunch of black people as well. And especially people in the Nation of Islam. Yeah, he, um, <clears throat> short summary, Malcolm X was born Malcolm Little and, um, um, born Malcolm Little. He had grew up without a father. His father was a preacher uh, who was supposedly killed by the Ku Klux Klan. Um, he was a criminal. He was sent to jail for 10 years for robbery. And during jail, he found uh, Islam through the Nation of Islam through his brother. He ends up joining the Nation of Islam and moving up to becoming a minister in Temple Number no. 2 in New York and eventually becoming a national spokesperson. Uh, because of him, thousands of people joined the Nation of Islam uh, because of his voice. But people started getting jealous within the Nation of Islam because of his success and thought that he would t- eventually take over the Nation of Islam from uh, Elijah Muhammad, who was then leading the Nation of Islam. Um, during, after Kennedy was assassinated, um, Malcolm X made a speech uh, titled that Kennedy's assassination didn't really matter to him because it was a chick- well, not didn't matter to him, but it was a chickens come home to roost that the white white people's violence against uh, black people would now come home to their backyard. Mm. Um, yeah, even though yeah. he was told not to say anything about it, he was suspended ninety days. He found that the disp- suspension was not going to uh, silence him. Not he wasn't going to be lifted, and also during that time he found that tonight Elijah Muhammad had been having extramarital affairs and the children out of wedlock with other women that were not his wife. Yeah, wasn't Elijah Muhammad just like a super scuzzy dude? Kind of, um, a little bit. Yeah. Um, like not only the extramarital stuff, but like he was corrupt, right? He took a lot of money. Yeah, he he, he he supposedly like him. Well, mostly his his, <laughs> his sons. Uh, and even the documentary goes into this. Um, he, they pretty much embezzled a lot of money. Wait, from, who's remind me? Who's Farrakhan? Is it one of his sons? No, Mr. Farrakhan was not of his sons. Uh, Louis Farrakhan had joined the Nation of Islam later. Okay. Um, he was just a minister. Okay. Um, and eventually became a leader. But uh, the. That's in a long story, but um, that's another podcast. Yeah, I did mention it a little bit in my Scientology Part Two podcast. So if you um, go back and listen to my Scientology Two podcast when I talked about the uh, Church of Scientology joining forces 
with the Nation of Islam and then paying Minister uh, Louis Farrakhan millions of dollars to pretty much go out and push off L. Ron Hubbard's fake-ass uh, fucking Dianetics shit and getting people audited and taking money from people who don't have it. Um, but back side to, note. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's a side note. Um, yeah, he was... Uh, his, his sons were making... They, Malcolm was bringing thousands of people into the Nation of Islam um, because it's a church people donate. They were pretty much taking the money, almost embezzling the money because they were businesses they were opening up um, and they were skimming off the top of them. Uh, so they were making a lot of money hand and foot. And um, Malcolm really didn't know about that until we found out about it later. So after he was suspended, his suspension wasn't going up, uh, wanting to be lifted. Um, Elijah Muhammad, all these experimental affairs, uh, the backstabbing they were doing with um, Malcolm X had was introduced to Cassius Clay, who later became Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. They were good friends, and the backstabbing they were doing uh, against them to break up their friendship. So Malcolm was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and um, formed his own um, civil rights organization. Um, and But he started to tell people about the wrong uh, Elijah Muhammad was doing. He's definitely ruffling some feathers. He was ruffling a lot of feathers. And... Um, <laughs> It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and there was a lot of threatening on the part of we're going to kill Malcolm X. So, yeah, it eventually culminated on February 21st, 1965. So, um, <coughs> just kind of going over uh, what some of these articles are talking about. So, <clears throat> essentially, uh, this documentary is posing three main questions. Yeah. Um, one, mm -hmm. was the FBI behind the infamous assassination? Two, was the white power structure in America that they conspired to basically gun them down? Mm -hmm. Or three, was it an inside job carried out by his former brothers and the Nation of Islam? Um, you could say yes to all three of those uh, questions with, uh, pertaining that as told in the documentary. Um, I'll give you a little facts. I'm a, a little spoiler alert. Again, if you haven't seen the documentary, stop the tape, go watch the documentary, and come back. Just right off the bat, though, like yeah. before you really dive into which of these three is sort of reigniting this conversation, like which is the most controversial of these all, all three of them. Yeah. From the documentary, all three of them. Okay. Um, the first question, FBI... What was, was the question? The FBI was behind the assassination. Um, we come to find out the FBI had been... Uh, trailing Malcolm X and keeping a file open on Malcolm X uh, since 1955. That's not surprising. Yeah, it's not surprising at all. Um, at he, all, actually. He, uh, yeah, they were following him around. They had undercover FBI agents within the Nation of Islam. Actually, the National Secretary at the time of the Nation of Islam... Um, God, let me bring up his name. Jesus. I had his name and then I lost it. Who are you looking for? The National Secretary of the Nation of Islam at the time, Malcolm X was there. Um, I don't want to say John Ali. But the National Secretary at the time, another known face in the Nation of Islam, was an FBI informant. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, he was an FBI informant. Actually, the day of, his, of Malcolm X assassination, in the crowd were nine FBI informants. 
which during the trial of the three assassins that they uh, that they caught, none of these FBI informants were brought in as witnesses. So here, before we get into who killed him, can you just sort of talk about how he was killed? Yeah. Um, <sighs> like, where did it happen? It happened at the Audubon Ballroom in New York City mm-hmm. on February 21st, 1965. He was preparing an address for his organization, uh, the OAAU, when um, this was a Sunday morning. So, and there were 400 people in the audience. And one of the audience members yelled, nigga, get your hands out my pocket. Mm-hmm. As Malcolm's bodyguards had tried to quell the disturbance, which this is actually not on tape, but on um, well, on tape, but not audio tape. It was on audio tape. You know, Malcolm saying, brother, chill, brother, chill. A man rushed forward and shot him once in the chest with a sawed-off shotgun. And two other men charged the stage firing semi-automatic handguns. With a sawed-off shotgun? With a sawed-off shotgun. Someone Not said scream. Yeah, this is how it went. Someone screamed, nigga, get your hand out of my pocket. There's a commotion between two guys. One of them throws a smoke bomb on the floor, hmm. which sends the security over to them. And then when the security is dealing with them, a guy from the other side of the audience rushes up to the stage with a sawed-off shotgun, blasts Malcolm X in the chest, he falls twice. He falls down. Two other guys, semi-automatic handguns, start shooting at him repeatedly in front of his wife and children. So, I mean, just by its like very definition, it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. It was it's more a conspiracy. than it was more than like two people involved. What pretty much they convicted three people. What witnesses and what the documentary said, and even the, the one of the assassins that caught and it com- admitted to his part in the assassination, there were five guys. Two guys in the back, one guy on the side, two other guys on the other side of the ballroom. This is, this is like a mob hit. Then, it is a mob hit. Yeah. It, it's a mob hit without the mob, but it's a hit. <clears throat> oh. So that's the assassination right there. He's pronounced dead, Malcolm is pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. Um, shortly after arriving at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, which was down the street from the hospital. So, during the, after the assassination, they ended up catch the audience ended up catching one of the assassins and beating the crap out of them. There's video of it. Um, they're beating the crap out of them. The police ended up taking away. That's uh, Thalbert's hair, who first denied it, then admitted, like, yeah, I was one of the assassins. But said repeatedly that the other two, uh, Thomas 15X Johnson and uh, Thomas Hager, were not there. They were not. He ended up naming the five people, Mm -hmm. that the four other people that he was with that did the assassination. He named them by name. And we finally got the names of the assassins. Mainly the person who held the shotgun. Because they said the the New York Police Department's report that said Thomas Johnson was the one who fired the first shots with the shotgun. They were terror and other people in the audience had said that no, Thomas Johnson was not there at all. And come to find out, he was not there at all. I mean, don't... This is 1965. Like, fingerprint um, evidence... 
was used, right? Fingerprint evidence was used. They got it on... Like, forensics uh, was a thing. I mean, it was in its very infancy, but it was a thing. Yeah. It's uh, not NCIS, but... <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. No. They, uh, they had it on <laughs> Thagrid's hair. Um, they had no evidence on Thomas Johnson and... Actually, his name is Norman Butler. They needed Abby Shudo from NCIS. Yes. <laughs> they would have solved everything. Yeah, that, that's another thing, is the people who were doing the investigation in the New York Police Department didn't care. Mm. They didn't give a shit. They hated Malcolm X. So then, they, what was the nationality of all the assassins? Because they're very... Black. Okay, because I was going to say, they're very different theories. So if it's like the Nation of Islam, ethnicity would have been one thing. If it was FBI, probably Caucasian. If it was like a hate crime, probably Caucasian. Well, the thing right? is like when you're talking about the FBI, they would never involve themselves oh, in so a way that outsourced. you would. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, this was outsourced. Okay, so yeah. No, like the FBI, when they do stuff That's like true. that, they, they pay people. Yeah, That's they, 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 they paid informants. Like um, even the New York Police Department had paid informants and even police officers. Involved in it. Malcolm X's main security guard, um, come to find out, who was literally in the front, because Malcolm X was on stage and literally on the uh, down below the stage was his main security guard. Um, come to find out, he was an undercover New York police officer who was there to just survey Malcolm X. Not to do anything else, just pretend like he's his friend and survey Malcolm X. <laughs> These dudes are like the Oprah of FBI. Yeah. You get an undercover. You get an undercover. You get an undercover. Yeah, but that's how dangerous they thought he really was. I mean, to be fair, in the eyes of the FBI, I could see why Malcolm X might have presented a danger. Not by himself. Mm -hmm. But by inspiring others to maybe commit crimes against not even crimes, non... it's to stand up and create rebellion, and even go into the FBI's file yeah, right. yeah. is to open rebellion. Oh, the uh, national secretary's name for the Nation of Islam was John Ali. I was right. I was thinking John Ali. It is John Ali. When uh, did he? Um, when um, this knowledge I know from Denzel Washington movie. <laughs> Uh, about or about uh, Malcolm. When did he go to Africa? Oh, when he went to Mecca to make a pilgrimage to Mecca, uh, yeah. sixty-four. Okay, so this was right around the time he was like. This is a year. Know. This is almost a year later after he comes off from Mecca, becomes a uh, a Sunni Muslim. Okay. Um, after he got kicked out by the Nation of Islam, or before? Uh, after and he left the Nation of Islam. He wasn't kicked out. <laughs> so uh, essentially. Um, sort of filling you in on this as well. He, more or less, Malcolm X left like a very angry person. He had like a whole thing in Mecca and he visited parts of Africa and came back with more like a message of peace. Um, and this was right before he was killed. Uh, yeah. he, sort of, he sort of shed a lot of its like, a lot of his like militant Ideologies. Well, he, well, I know he was he kind went. of brutal a little bit. Well, well, well he, his, his his racial ideologies. He uh, and he he never gave away the militancy. 
he, the militancy said if but you, it softened up a little bit after like, he went to them he, 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 his he de- yeah his yeah. delivery and his tone changed but still the message was still the same black empowerment um, self-defense um, be proud of who you are that's what that's what stayed the same um, after he went to this is a mecca um, got it God, but where was I you were talking about the uh, nation, the secretary of yeah the of secretary nation, yeah um, like Minister Farrakhan he wrote this in Muhammad Speaks which used to be the newspaper of the Nation of Islam um, that hypocrites <laughs> what it's called Muhammad Speaks Muhammad <laughs> Speaks yes <laughs> hey I can laugh at that I'm Muslim <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad <laughs> Weekly yes. <laughs> Muhammad, my monthly. <laughs> Fireside chat with yeah. Muhammad. For the for the Muslim or the girl. <laughs> oh, we gonna get killed. <laughs> Muhammad speaks. That's what it was called, man. That's funny. what it was called. It's so casual. Yes, Muhammad speaks. They were talking. About Muhammad. Elijah right. Muhammad, they weren't talking about well the prophet Muhammad. Oh wait, I thought they were talking about the prophet. Probably, but I think they were. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why. I'm well, they considered Elijah Muhammad a prophet too. Okay. So they're talking about Elijah, not like Muhammad Muhammad. Yeah, you know what? They changed it to last call. I think it's a hell of a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> they like Christians coming out with like Jesus, Jesus Weekly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking there is a Jesus Weekly. Is there? there? It wouldn't surprise you if there was. There probably is. There probably is. Yeah. yeah. My uncle owns the thrice. Yeah, right. <laughs> My minister right. uncle. Right. Um, Let me buy some stock in that company. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, ended up... God, where were we? <laughs> we're talking about Muhammad Speaks. Yeah, uh, Louis Farrakhan had later said that uh, hypocrites like in Muhammad Speaks, hypocrites like Malcolm should have their heads cut off. Jesus. In a paper. Imagine someone... You know what? Imagine Donald Trump going on... Wait, US... So he said this before Malcolm was killed? Yes. Imagine Donald Trump going on on, on USA Today and saying that Bernie Sanders should have his head <laughs> cut off. And then he gets his ass killed. <laughs> and then Bernie Sanders gets his ass killed. <laughs> uh, maybe Trump's a bad example. I can see him saying something. Like yeah, that. you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Trump will say anything to get the votes. Imagine if Reagan came up on the news and talked about um, Jimmy Carter's head being cut off. <laughs> yeah, we kind of bad. <laughs> Every kind of man. <laughs> but okay, so he said it, and um, yeah, because it was a lot. It, pretty much, they viewed him as a traitor. Malcolm X is a traitor. They they uh, accused him of being a traitor and said that um, he should be killed. Traitor to whom? Traitor to Elijah Muhammad, and traitor to the Nation of Islam. Because he was talking shit. We, yeah, because he was talking shit. He was talking possibly the fucking truth. And not only that, like, even when he was national spokesperson and going around setting up new temples all over the place, um, 
people were jealous of him. Mm-hmm. Muhammad, uh, Elijah Muhammad's kids were jealous of him because they had, they had thought that Elijah Muhammad spent more time with him, Malcolm X, as opposed to them. And also, like Malcolm was so pious that he, he would have found out about the operations that were going on in the embezzlement, he would have immediately shut it down. Mm. Okay, so there was definitely jealousy going on within the family, he jealousy was, going on within the organization. Uh-huh. Okay, and this, you're, what point are you leading up to about the Nation of Islam being? There's jealousy, yeah, there's jealousy. There's jealousy around the nation of Islam also being fed through the FBI. There's FBI memos that were declassified. They were saying that there needs to be some sort of pressure put on between uh, Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X. And they were trying to find it, and they couldn't find it until they found out about Elijah Muhammad's extramarital affairs and other things. And people getting into Elijah Muhammad's head. I wondered, the FBI is notorious for stuff like this, but do you think they could have been sort of involved in creating a rift between those two? Yes. Yeah. And that's what the documentary is about me too. Interesting. Because there's, like I told you, there's informants throughout the nation of Islam. Um, Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X's home had been wiretapped. Mm-hmm. Um, there's various, like this John Ali, the uh, National Secretary for the uh, Nation of Islam, is an FBI informant. So taking sort of a divide and conquer approach. Divide and conquer. Turn people against each other. Yeah, because the FBI was really scared. The FBI was more scared of the Nation of Islam from their do- their declassified documents than they were of Martin Luther King. Oh, I, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me one, one bit, yeah. actually. Okay. <clears throat> So thoughts? Um, no, I mean, knowing knowing the FBI and knowing the 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 track, the history right. that they have with, um, especially during the sixties, mm-hmm. with like black ops stuff, with um, stuff not only they did um, internet like outside the United States, but stuff they did within the country. Right. That doesn't honestly that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they killed him no they didn't physically kill him I think they remember they, they, the documentary and even from my research from what I've seen um, points back to one particular mosque and that's a mosque in Newark New Jersey that and even from Thedrick uh, <clears throat> Hayer's uh, confession that the five assassins came out of Newark New Jersey one of the guys that they pointed to that was a part of the assassination, who they actually was the shotgun man, and they gave a description of the shotgun man from witnesses that day that he was this tall, almost six foot three, big burly guy wearing a trench coat, dark complexion. That is not Thomas Johnson's description. Mm-hmm. Thomas Johnson is a light skinned man, five foot eleven, not stocky. How does someone roll up into a convention with a sawed-off shotgun, kill the most important person in the room, and not immediately get ripped apart by the mob? How does that happen? How do you get out? Distraction. And actually, if this is true, this is some bold-ass shit. Remember I told you there's a video of... One of the dudes getting his ass. One of the dudes getting. Yeah. Actually, can you go to YouTube and pull that up? Sure. 
Am I gonna get flagged for YouTube? By YouTube? <laughs> no, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> there is. I'm gonna be on a list. The computer shuts down. Yeah. <laughs> we are watching. <laughs> we are not happy. Uh, let me see if I can break it up like also. Alert. Yeah, yes. like alert. <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> you see the red dot? Come on. <laughs> A Muslim who's traveling to Turkey soon, looking at uh, stuff about Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> alert, 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 alert. Red light alert. going on somewhere in Washington. <laughs> um, what am I looking for? Uh, the assassination of Malcolm X. Let's see if it's on here. The speakers on that uh, laptop is not very good, so if you're going to play it, it's... Uh, I don't want the video. I mean, the audio of it. I just want... Hopefully it's on here. Uh, you find it on Reddit. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Are you talking about the student uncovers lost Malcolm X tape? No, it's a video of uh, Thomas Hayes being dragged and beaten outside the Audubon Ballroom. School uh, Thomas beating dragged Malcolm X. I bet it'll pop up. Yeah. How do you spell his last name? Oh, uh, well, let me bring it up. Uh, Hayridge? I'm sure if he just said it. Thayridge. T A L M A D G E. Hayer. H A Y E R. Sorry again about butchering names. This is just, I'm kind of bad with names. <laughs> You see any video? Mm, there's no video, but... There's no video. Okay, well, I'll describe it. There's a part of the video where um, he's literally getting the crap beat out of him, and the police are coming to take him away. And in the video, walks right past right past the camera, clear view for a millisecond. But you can clearly see it. A guy fitting the description of the shotgun guy the guy that fired the shotgun at Malcolm X, walking clear across the camera like nothing had happened. Everyone was, it was chaos in that room when Malcolm X was shot. Mass chaos. Well, I can only imagine, not just for the fact that he was assassinated, but just for people's own safety. Right. There was a man with a shotgun and, you know. And men with eight, with um, automatic. Or right. Automatic yeah. Gun. Yeah, that's just chaos. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually looking at footage of, uh, like, it's his rare footage of the assassination of Malcolm X. Right. Let's see if I can bring this up. Anyways, not to divert too too much from what right. we're talking. I mean, yeah, we don't want to just sit here. Right, but you can YouTube. clearly watch it. But there's some important thing. The um, the the guy that's pretty much narrating the documentary, funding the documentary. Um, ends up finding that guy. And that guy is was a pretty much had a long rap sheet, but had got out of prison and become sort of a community leader in Newark, New Jersey. He was actually so popular that 
when Cor- Cory Booker was running for re-election of Mayor Newark. Yeah. He's in his re-election video. Oh, my God. The guy that that might have murdered Malcolm X is associated with Cory Booker. And Cory Booker knew him. <laughs> okay, so it's... Uh... Wait, wait. So this guy is... One of the guys who was convicted? No, or... no. One of the guys that weren't convicted. He was named by one of the... He was named by the first guy. Yeah, Hare. Yeah, Hare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was named by him as being the actual assassin. Right, okay. Okay. Um, he... So, Corey Butler... Booker. Booker killed Malcolm X. No, Corey Booker didn't kill Malcolm X. <laughs> Corey so Booker killed my hopes is... and dreams. <laughs> but he didn't kill Malcolm X. <laughs> what you're saying is... <laughs> okay, so that part covers the um, sort of the how the FBI was involved in putting a divergence between the Nation of Islam and Malcolm yeah, X. Yeah, and the New York PD too. Yeah. Through their Red Scare, you know, what was it, Red Squads? Um, and like, we've been to leftist meetings and hearing the history, we heard the history of the Red Squads and stuff like that, and the Nation of Islam too. So, I guess my question is, if this information has been out for a while, why is this documentary gaining so much traction and or... Because... Why now? Because it was kind of in, like, especially Newark, it was kind of an open secret. Like the guy I described, the community leader, his name escapes me right now. If you go to the documentary, he tells you his name and everything. Um, it was kind of like... A myth mm-hmm. that he might have done it, mm-hmm. um, possibly a myth. It was kind of open secret. Also, New York PD and the New York District Attorney's Office at the time did not care at all. They just got who they got, and that was it. They did not like Malcolm X. Not only did they not like Malcolm X, but you know, you when you don't want you. And the police department of one of the, you know, biggest cities in the world, yeah. in America, you don't want to be embarrassed that you can't find the killer of. Uh, well, it's so, not the fact that you so can't important. find the killer; is that you don't care to find the killer, and also that you've been surveying this guy for the longest period of time, and you don't want to let him know. Like I told you, like Malcolm said, his security was a undercover New York police officer. There was another undercover police officer in the automobile ballroom at the time he was being, Malcolm X was shot, well, along with nine other FBI informants. That's my point, though. <clears throat> they wanted to wrap the case up quickly so that yeah. more questions wouldn't be asked, right? Exactly. You, you don't one. You don't want to be embarrassed as the New York PD that you're out here not catching the guy who killed Malcolm X, and right. two, the longer the case is open. Um, the more questions are being asked. Yeah, especially why you're surveilling this guy, what information you have on this guy. Especially when you talk about the FBI, right? Uh-huh. There are, you know, just the way the internet operates, there's like the internet that we use and then there's the dark web. Yeah. That's how, the, that's how I see the FBI is. There's like the surface level FBI. Yeah. You know, the pencil pushers and like the, you know, the people who are involved in the politics of it and things like this. And then there's like the underbelly of the FBI Uh that they don't talk about and they don't want questions being asked about it. Exactly. And I think 
the longer you have a case open like this, and the more questions being asked, mm -hmm. the more exposure, be, you know, it gives to that side of the FBI right. that they don't really want to talk about. Right. And even with them reopening right now, a lot of these people are dead, like the Toyota Shotgun guy and the... But he passed away in 2009. No, no, Thomas Johnson passed away in 2009. Um, the guy that they accused of being the shotgun man who maintains his innocence. The guy, the community activist, who they said was the actual shooter, passed away in 2018. I see. And the uh, three other ones that Dangerous Hair named. So you think they were waiting for that guy to pass away? I no. The documentary wanted he, he was the the guy who made the documentary who killed Malcolm X. Um, wanted to interview him for a long time, but didn't. Mm -hmm. And then he finally did it. Did and then he got the news the guy died, right as he was going to go in, go ask him some questions. He found out he passed away. Coincidence? There is no such thing as coincidence. According to gifts. And the three <laughs> other ones that Phaedra's hair named as assassins, the actual assassins, are also supposedly deceased. Now they open up the case again. They go, a lot of people are asking why, why, why? Because there's still one innocent guy that wants to clear his name. Is he still in prison? No, he's not. He got paroled uh, back in the uh, 80s. But he's okay. still alive. He's still with us. And hearing his story and looking at the evidence, I believe him. So and I want him to get his name cleared. That's why the Innocence Project is involved? In yeah, this? that's why. To clear that guy's name. Yeah. And to clear Thomas Johnson's name, too. Posthumously. Post just for the listeners who don't know what the um, Innocence Project is, yeah. just a nonprofit organization of like lawyers and um, former attorneys and and, um, and things like this, <clears throat> essentially working to clear people's name mm -hmm. post death uh, during their incarceration and yeah. then after incarceration yeah. to clear their names and stuff. Uh, they they got the uh, Central Park Five. They were the ones spearing in the Central Park Five. Uh, acquitted the same ones that our current president still believes did it, even though the evidence proves he did not do Was it. that like their first big case or something? Um, no, they had done other ones too. Yeah. Um, I think the Innocence Project had started, it might have started in Chicago. I gotta double check. Or were inspired by a Chicago Innocence Project group. Got it. Uh, but yeah, they were able to get the Central Park Five off and they were trying to get the uh, Norman Butler. Exonerated. So they're involved in this. So there's obviously some weight behind uh, the questions raised in this documentary. Yeah. 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 There's a lot. And even before this documentary was made, they were still trying to get Norman Butler off um, and exonerated. Uh, but this documentary backs it up a little bit more. Founded in 1992 in New York. Oh, New York. Okay. The Innocence Project. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, the documentary raises a lot of questions that needs answers to. And um, if this is true, um, you, it, it's, you're not going to get justice for it, but at least you'll get an innocent man's name cleared. That's the main thing. I mean, even though even the documentary, he 
says he doesn't believe anything's going to happen. He's been saying this for years and years, and no one believes him. Um, just hopefully to get his name cleared. That's what opened up this investigation is just saying, just to clear his name. That would be the most important thing. Yeah, and not only that, but also bring some, um, obviously, some uh, relief and answer some unanswered questions to the family. Yeah. Of Malcolm X. Yeah. He has children that are still alive. Yeah. So. And, um, yeah, there's many victims in this. Um, other than Malcolm X, his children, his, his uh, wife, uh, before she passed, and, um, these, these two uh, men, Norman Butler and Thomas Johnson, and uh, are victims too, and uh, untold millions of people who could have used his, Malcolm X's leadership uh, during turbulent times. Um, it was all taken because a group of people decided his voice was too powerful and wanted to silence him. So, um, not going to... Anything else? Uh, no, I mean, I just have a little bit more. I just have some more questions about the documentary itself. So it's it's all on Netflix? All, all six parts are on Netflix. Uh, they're 40, about 45 minutes a piece. Um, they look at Malcolm's life, the assassination, um, the assassins, uh, files that were um, declassified. They talked to the detectives, the police officers that's still living, the assistant DA, uh, people who knew the suppo uh, supposed assassin. Your eyes kind of went buggy. <laughs> Listen to this. In 1995, the Justice Department announced the following of Malcolm's daughter. Okay? Yeah. Um, this would be... Uh... Oh, was she trying to kill Farrakhan? Yeah, you know that? A federal grand jury indicted Kubila Shabazz, uh -huh. the daughter of the late Malcolm X. She was charged with using a telephone and traveling interstate in the course of hiring another person to murder Minister Louise Farrakhan. Mm -hmm. Wow. Really? Yeah. What, she was convinced that he had something, he had to, something do to do with it? There's still people convinced that he had something to do with it. The government eventually accepted a plea bargain. Kabila believed Farrakhan bore responsibility for her dad's death. Yeah. However, um, history.com, that's where this information is from, concludes that Farrakhan, quote, most likely was not directly involved in the plot. However, the FBI tapes show that Kabila was an unwilling co-conspirator um, to... Uh, an assassination plot to kill Farrakhan. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they definitely didn't let it go. 1995? Yeah. Oh, yeah 20 years? Was, 30, 30 years after? Yeah. Um, yeah, she was convinced. She, 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 that she has particular issues. Even even her son, like, her, her son set a fire that ended up killing um, Dr. Betty Shabazz, Malcolm's widow, in 97. And he ended up getting killed in Mexico. In a bar fight, it says. In a bar fight, yeah. In 2013. 2013, yeah. So this family has had some 
tragedy. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of tragedy happened to him, so. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, again, we're not going to get too into this because there's a lot into it, but if you haven't seen the documentary, Who Killed Malcolm X? is on Netflix right now. Watch the documentary and you can make your own judgments of that or continue doing your own research. We might come back to this at a later date. Um, I mean, if there's like an open investigation into it in New York, yeah. there's obviously going to be some more stuff revealed. Yeah. We should have a follow-up. Yeah, we'll, it will definitely be a follow-up to this and um, more pronounced history of it. But yeah, this is this is something I... I, I even the movie, Malcolm X, kind of alluded to it. Yeah. A little bit. Because there's a scene in there where you see five guys just loading up guns and shit and um, about to, like, these guys are going to clearly kill Malcolm X. And even in the scene in which Malcolm X is assassinated in the film, there's five guys in there. There's clearly five guys. So this, apparently this is a very open secret in there. But the government and uh, the New York, uh, even the government's form contradicts New York City's investigation. Them saying that it's three New York City's investigation, FBI, from declassified information that we have now through the Freedom of Information Act, acknowledges that there were five. Mm-hmm. But there was only three convicted. So even if these three guys were the three guys that get it, There's you're missing two, two guys. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have a follow-up um, episode to this. Yeah, yeah we will we'll come back to this at a later date. Um, yeah, thanks, Uncle. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these subjects, when we do them, they're more educational to me than, like, yeah. me just... I'm like learning mm-hmm. as we talk about it um, on the podcast, which I think brings a unique perspective. You right. know, just like the listener, I'm learning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the questions that I have are like immediate. They're not questions that have been lingering in my mind. It's just my immediate response, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Oh my God. I almost forgot one of the most important things you brought up in the documentary. Um, Malcolm X is still alive. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's a miracle! <laughs> I do not believe! <laughs> no. And here he is. Yeah. <laughs> Joining our show. <laughs> um, they, there was a part of the documentary which is really cool. Not cool, but it just tells you the um, the New York City's uh, New York City DAs and New York City Police Department's investigation. They they go back to an old 1983 um, New York City show that was on. Um, I believe it was called uh, This Is It. It was predominantly to an African-American audience and they brought back uh, people who knew Malcolm X. This show was during 1983. Uh, people knew Malcolm X and people who were there on that day he was assassinated in the Alabama Ballroom. And, um, like, at the time, the Alabama Ballroom was run down and no one went in there. It was just, it was, now it's like, uh, I think, a museum and something else. I got to check what it is again. Um, but back then it was run down and abandoned. 
and they ended up bringing people who hadn't been into Audubon Ballroom um, since that day in 63, and mm-hmm. this is 83, and like they ended up cleaning up the place and make it try to look like it looked when Malcolm X was assassinated, uh, seats by the front of the stage and stuff like that, and they bring out this podium um, from the basement at the time they had in a basement. Um, they bring out this podium, and they everyone's looking at the podium, and the guy who's hosting the show is looking at it too. Was like, where'd you get this podium? It was like, oh, it was downstairs in the basement, and in the podium were bullet holes. No, it was the same damn podium that Malcolm X was standing in, and they fucking kept it there in the Audubon Ballroom, oh and they took it down to the basement. Oh so it God. tells you that the lack of fucking uh, investigation that the police department and the DA. They did know about it. How could you miss it? Because even in pictures of, of the assassination, because it was a photographer there taking pictures um, after he was assassinated, you could clearly see the fucking podium beside him with bullet holes. And the same podium they ended up finding down in a basement in 1983 and bring it up for this news show is the same fucking podium. They see the same fucking bullet holes. That's a part of the crime scene. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. This, that'd, that's that'd be, what tells you a that'd lot. Be like finding uh, the Lincoln that Kennedy got assassinated in a junkyard one day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like someone just, just sitting there in a junkyard with bullet holes in it. That's crazy. Yeah, so... Wow. Yeah. I mean, was that able to... Like, did that shed any light on the investigation? No. No. I, I don't know where the podium is now. Maybe it's still... Kept it at some of us would probably throw it away. Back in the basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we put it back in the basement, but they brought it up. This is 83. They bought it up and Yeah. It no, tells you a lot. It just tells you a lot. Yeah, so sorry to end the show on a horrible note, but <laughs> well, that's weekend weird. <laughs> and that's what happens in America. <laughs> So, if you're a minority in America, don't get shot. <laughs> they might never find the they podium. They might never find you, the shit. Podium, the gun, fucking probably, probably that time the fucking gun was still there. <laughs> we should do an episode that sort of um, has like a Venn diagram uh-huh. of uh, JFK, his brother, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King's assassinations and sort of how do they overlap the timeline. I mean, it all happened in a matter of four years, five years. Um, it happened... Right? 63, 63 and then 65, what? 65, 68, five years. Five years? Yeah. We should do an episode that like covers all of them. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was supposed to be um, the families of John and Robert F. Kennedy and... Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, along with a couple of witnesses, and petitioned Congress to have a Truth and Reconciliation Committee mm-hmm. to do congressional hearings um, to find out who, what really happened when they were assassinated. Um, that was back last year. Nothing's been done. Mm. So, um, about that. And they're still pushing for that. So, uh, we're not telling you <laughs> we get weird it's not telling you what to do is political but we, we try to stay away from political but if you want to see that start 
hampering your congressperson or if they don't approve of having that Truth and Reconciliation Committee being formed, then uh, they got opponents. Shit, this man, is, it's been long enough. It's been long enough. Maybe we find out the truth. Let's just even just to reaffirm shit we already know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, let's get that committee going. Let's figure out what the hell really happened. So, that was Weekend Weird. This is, uh, there's plenty of other stories to go. More stories of the, of the weird mundane that just fucked up. This is just stories, stories that will uplift you, stories that will put you down in the government. We're going to carry that because we're all about the truth here and not the scary, crazy truth. <laughs> but it's the truth. So, uh, next episodes we're going to be doing, uh, Chris Benoit, finally going to get to Chris Benoit, um, the Bell Witch. The rest of who killed his family? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're going to be doing that. I don't know, probably around WrestleMania time. This is just to get you right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> I will, I will see this right now. I probably won't be on on this. No, 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 no. One, be, it's a very sad story and two, yeah. I don't know much about wrestling. Yes, yeah, so it'll be probably me and uh, my brother. It will be coming back because everyone loves my brother. <laughs> um... Stories, uh, UFO Alien Month coming up in May, uh, The Men in Black, Area 51, the, um, the Unknown, Paranormal, you name it, it'll be on Weekend Weird. So uh, that's it for today. We appreciate y'all listening to uh, this episode. For myself, Redneck and Ogul, we're saying uh, stay weird, everyone, because being weird is really cool. Y'all take it easy, and have yourself a great day. Bye. Bye-bye.